is Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. You don't save those. Out of this world. Messi. 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 From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to another episode of FUVFC, WFUV's only soccer podcast. Nick Guzman here alongside James Burley and Andy Rodriguez. And in the world of American soccer, guys, there's a lot to talk about between the United States being the men being eliminated from the Gold Cup and the wimp for the U.S. women. The their World Cup is just around the corner. But first, guys, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, as as well as all things could be with the uh, results we got last night. And I'm not just talking about the U.S. I'm talking about another team that is near and dear to our hearts, Nick. They were uh, god awful last night. Just terrible. Just not fun at all. But you know. With every, with every death comes light, and I'm really excited to talk about another team that represents our country that is going to do great things, because they always do. So I'm hopeful, but I'm not doing my best, Nick. I'm doing great as well. I've actually been enjoying these Gold Cup games, and I know a lot of people don't really care about the Gold Cup. And I know you guys are probably like, it's the USA's B team, like who cares? I cared personally. I'm from Guatemala. I was excited to see my country there. And I think it's a great chance for these smaller countries to just like show up, show what they can do. And we've had a lot of exciting games going to like extra time, really close games. So I'm, I'd love to get your guys' perspective and I'm excited to see what you guys thought about these last couple performances. Yeah, between last night's Gold Cup result for the U.S. men and the New York Red Bulls losing to FC Cincinnati, not a great Wednesday, um, <laughs> all things considered, but... I think we'll have to start with the Gold Cup and starting with that USA versus Panama game. On Sunday night, the U.S. went all the way to penalties with Canada. They drew 2-2. Brandon Vasquez scored right before the end of, of regulation time. You think the U.S. are going to win. Canada gets that penalty. Stephen Vittoria slots at home. You go to extra time. Canada takes the lead. The U.S. fights back on that ricochet goal. Uh, you, you can't credit that to John Luca Busio. That's an own goal all the way. So the U.S. goes to Penns and Matt Turner saves the day. So the U.S. advanced to the, to the semifinal against, uh, you know, in not very convincing fashion at all. Yes, they were probably better than Panama, but or better than Canada, rather, in that quarterfinal. But definitely not a very convincing performance. You go into the Panama game, and again, just not a very convincing performance by whatever you want to call this team, B team, C team, whatever you want to call it. They did not play very well against Panama, in my opinion. And they it went scoreless going into extra time. And Anderson struck first for Panama in the 99th minute. And then it was Jesus Ferreira on the volley trying to, you know, rescue the U.S., gets them level up 1-1. And then you go to Penns again, back-to-back games. You think maybe it's Matt Turner. 
time for more heroics from him. He gets that one save, but in the end, the U.S., Jesus Ferreira missed to start it off, and then Christian rolled on, kind of the nail in the coffin there in, in as, as the United States, uh, their sixth shooter. So the U.S. are out of the Gold Cup. They, they, they won in 2021. They lost in the final in 2019, but they're out in the semifinals here. And it's just interesting to think about what do you take away from this tournament? Because I don't know about you, James, but I think when I look up and down this group of United States players, um, there's not many guys here that I see that have a, a genuine future with this first national team. So it's interesting to think about what what can you what can you take away from a, from a tournament like this? I think the takeaway is that well, they did kind of what they were expected, and that that was to play close to the line the entire way, but maybe sneak through to the final, which is what we did in 2021. And we came away victorious. We won every single game 1-0, except for the game against Martinique that we won 6-1. So we figured it out in 2021 when we didn't have our best guys. In 2023, we did. And not making the final is a problem. It's something that shouldn't happen, even with without the likes of the best European players that this country has to offer. But still, the expectation in this region should be for the U.S. to at least reach the final, even if it's an MLS-based squad, which this clearly was. Um, but I want to give some credit to Panama because I think that they've been on not not just against the U.S. throughout the tournament, probably the best team uh, all around. They brought their best squad, um, and Christensen, the coach, has, has absolutely turned the program around, starting with taking over for during World Cup qualifying, going into 2022 brought them pretty close to that uh, fourth place playoff, didn't quite reach it. But now in this Gold Cup has really turned heads, not only because defensively I've been really impressed with Panama, not with their uh, typical starting goalkeeper, Luis Mejia, but across the back, they've got everybody they want. Amir Murillo, our former Red Bull, got injured uh, during the tournament that they plug right in with uh, Harold Cummings, Andres Andrade, Eric Davis, and they still defend really, really well. And then Coco Carasquilla, who put away the, the final penalty, uh, the Houston Dynamo man, he has been the player of the tournament for me. So hats off to Panama. They deserve to be in the final 100%. As for the U.S., there's really no players outside of Matt Turner, maybe Miles Robinson, maybe Dewan Jones, and maybe James Sands, who I would say have played their way into a conversation where they're going to be with the likes of the players that were at the Nations League with this U.S. men's national team. And that is okay. Yes, they crashed out earlier than they probably should have, even though Panama's been great for their standard and the U.S. was bad for theirs. There should still be the better team. That wasn't the case. They were outplayed for the majority of that match. What we learned overall is not much. We really don't learn much. And that's why a lot of people are frustrated. Um, at the end of the day, when you see that there are two back-to-back -back competitions for your country to take place in, in the region, and one of them is two matches one week after the European calendar, and then one's a one-month-long seven-match tournament uh, that takes up in the middle of the summer in the U.S. when it's brutally hot out. Which one of the European players is going to want to play in? The one that takes away less of their time with their clubs, especially because how many American players didn't know what their club situation was? Christian Pulisic just signed for AC Milan officially today. So why would he have spent a month in July playing in the Gold Cup? So for people who are saying this is the end of the world um, and, and that this is the, the massive problem, yeah, it's, it's not great, but it's, it, it's, it's not the end of the world here, guys. Like, we are still very much, I believe, the number one team in the CONCACAF region, even with this setback, and that's all it is, a little setback. 
that's that's the only thing that I can say we learned about this is that it's just a little setback in our program. I'm still confused by why Greg Berhalter wasn't coaching this one if he's to be the coach moving forward. Um, BJ Callahan, it was a good run. It was a lot of fun. Technically, didn't lose uh, before 90 minutes isn't in his entire quote unquote tenure. So that was fun, but we didn't really learn anything. That's why it just feels like you know maybe a waste of time. Maybe let's not make the Gold Cup every two years because seems seems a little pointless every now and then. But hats off to Panama, and um, I think they're gonna have their their work cut out for them in the final with Mexico. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack with that. Yeah, I mean, USA definitely can learn a lot because it's not their main squad. And I was just curious to see what your guys' take, not unsurprisingly, you guys are like, who cares? And I mean, yeah, for all reason, like, who really cares? They weren't expected to win with this squad. I still think in terms of, like, the program, it might be a bit embarrassing because you are defending champs. So at least for me, like, if I was there in charge of these decisions, I'd be like, well, we're not just going to give it away. We still want to win. So it's not the best of looks for the U.S., and especially because it wasn't even that close of a game. I mean, scoreline-wise, it was. You got to penalties. But on the field, Panama dominated most of that game. They got lucky not to lose in the 90 minutes. Two goals that were disallowed were the offside. And if the new offside rule were to be in place at that moment, they would have lost 2-0 in regulation time. So, yeah, I mean, USA really didn't show up until like the 70th minute once Roldan and Yetlin were in the game. They were kind of combining in the right wing. So it was not a close performance, in my opinion. Definitely not the best look. As I said, still not that important. Only a minor setback. The idea of making the Gold Cup less often com- makes complete sense to me. I think the CONCACAF and like American national teams in general have too many tournaments. They go so often, especially like the Copa America. I, I don't understand the format because it's not like every four years it's for sure it's just whenever they decide to do it that's what it seems like whereas in europe you have a guaranteed system like every four years like the in between the years of the world cups you expect that european tournament i think the american system needs a bit more of that where like there's an order you know what to expect and it's just a very exhausting thing to have so many tournaments back to back during the summer also the times we're playing at i thought was ridiculous because two games in the same day at the same stadium. So one of the games is going to have to be early in the day. They were under the sun at like over 80 degrees Fahrenheit. That was exhausting. You see one of the players get injured and the rest of the team just goes for water breaks because they need that water break. It, it was really insane conditions to be playing at week in, week out. And the other thing with the U.S. is what probably affected them coming in that game against Panama is they just came off 120 minutes versus Canada. So the expectations really were not that high. I think it's still not a great look for the program, but I agree with what you guys said. It's not the end of the world for the U.S. So, yeah, not a lot learned from that, unfortunately. Yeah, it just kind of feels like we wasted, like, a, a, a tournament a little bit. Just, just in, I understand, and I, and I totally am on the, on the page of, you know, guys like Christian Pulisic and 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 Weston McKenney and Eunice Musa, Brendan Aronson, these guys who are have these these club situations, not so much Musa, but he's also been rumored to be on the move. 
but people who are, are moving clubs and this is not the ideal time for a tournament at all. But then you look at, you know, these games were very highly rated on, on television, like millions and millions of people tuned in to watch these gold cup games for the United States. And I think, you know, Fox obviously is not going to come out and tell their, your, your audience that this isn't your a team. But I think like, if you were to ask genuinely the American public, a lot of them who are watching these games on Fox, if they had any idea that the, the product they were watching is not, is like purposefully not as good as it could be. I think people wouldn't know. And I think that's a little, it kind of rubs me the wrong way that like everyone's trying to, you, you know, Fox and then they're just trying to approach this tournament as if it, as if it was something more. And I think it, it's something more if we want it to be something more, you know, with the addition of the nation's league now, it just kind of, having the gold cup every two years, you got Copa America next year, just a lot of competitions. And it's, it just feels like I didn't really learn anything. Like I thought George, Georgie Mihalovic was like a good, like a good enough player who could slide in. And like, I still think that like, like he's like, he's fine. Like I, I no one, no one, I think the only pe- the only thing that really happened is that people's stocks fell. Like Zendejas was maybe on the nation's league roster. And I don't think he's, he's, he's going to be on a roster, you know, in the future at least until he he can prove that he can play a little better than he did in this gold cup. And then even guys that we love, like, like John Tolkien, you know, day one uh, Jones at left back kind of proved that, you know, he was going to be in that starting spot. Maybe JMI stock took a little bit of a hit. I just feel like it's just a weird situation that I feel like other national teams don't have to deal with. Like when have you ever seen like England or, or anybody like that in Europe going into like a continental tournament purposefully with a squad that's like much less and much not as good as it could be it just doesn't really happen for for other countries so it's hard to sort of equate it to other situations and explain to people like why this doesn't like the whole situation because it does matter and it's just confusing how to look at it would you agree with james because 100 percent, we have we have much much better players but then you you think this is our continental tournament why not use them? But then it makes sense. It's just like a whole conundrum where how do you even evaluate this tournament? Should you be upset at, at, at a semifinal loss? I think, yes, you should be, because I think even if it's an MLS, MLS heavy squad and a BC, B team, C team, losing in the semifinals is, is, is not good enough. But then you think about what our goals are in the long term, and it just feels like this is just a competition that didn't really serve any purpose for this national team especially when you consider greg berhalter was not even in charge for the tournament yeah and look they, they just water down the gold cup as much as possible the fact that the premier um regional tournament is every two years is enough of a reason to just look at that and say well what are we doing here it's a cash grab it and that's fine and dandy if Concacaf needs the money but you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And the reason I think it's really important that you bring up because soccer fans around the world, like England will not go to a, a European tournament and start a bunch of players that play in the championship, because th- why would they do that? Uh, they didn't have, they don't have to, they don't have to, uh, you know, battle out Oh, which summer tournament are we going to bring our best team and our worst team? Because they have one tournament per year. They play the nation's league throughout one year. They'll play the Euros the other year, Euro qualifiers, World Cup qualifiers, and then the World Cup. That's what they have to worry about. Their calendars spread out, and it's, it makes sense. As for the U.S., well, 
we don't know what we're doing until we get there, it seems like, you know, and, and that's and it is what it is. But the system that we do it with is so weird. And now we're getting invited the, to the Copa America. We're hosting it. Meanwhile, we host every CONCACAF Gold Cup just because it's just easier. We have the infrastructure to do so. And there's reasons for all of these things, but it's just strange. And it makes for times where teams like the U.S. have to waste time at a gold cup it just seems like they were just playing to play and you look mexico has done this before in 2017 they played in the confederations cup and the gold cup at the exact same time and they brought their a team to the confederations cup and performed decently well and then in the gold cup they brought a bunch of players who even i had never heard of and if you ask if you usually people come to me and say who's this guy on el salvador who's this guy on St. Kitts and Nevis. And I, and I generally have answers. In 2017, I did not have answers for the Mexico Gold Cup team. They crashed out in the semifinals that year as well. So to, to just to, to put a bow on this is to say that it is a strange tournament. It is not acceptable that we lose in the semifinal, even with Major League Soccer players as, as the top guys, because look at Panama. Their best player plays for the Houston Dynamo. And look, he's an absolute gem out of Belter Carasquilla, the guy who remind like a weird someone called him roman torres by mistake the other day because he's got the same hair as him if you guys remember roman yes. torres uh what a, what a legend he was sent panama to the 2018 world cup in the 88th minute uh at the u.s's downfall but you know that was still a great moment for that country and uh, again great moment for panama to go to the final that's that that's the one silver lining is that when the u.s brings it down a peg with their standard of players and teams take advantage of it it does make the region better as a whole and the likes of Panama now, their players are going to be more confident in future uh, competitions. The rest of the region is going to feed off of that. And that's a pretty good thing, in my opinion, for making these competitions because nothing's going to change. The Gold Cup's going to be every two years. The Nations League is going to be every year, every two years, whatever it is. And they're going to keep churning out these competitions. And it's only better if the teams around the U.S., Mexico, and Canada continue to get better. Um, and I think that's what's going to come out of this. So... While I, I, I look and I, and I ask questions of the U.S.'s intent with this Gold Cup, I still think there are um, some silver linings that we can take away and say, all right, guys, let's not press the panic button. We are still probably the most talented group in this region. We won the three previous tournaments before this. We could have made history with four in a row. We would have been the first CONCACAF team to ever do that. But it is what it is. We'll move forward. And look, if you want to see the U.S. win something, watch the women's world cup because we're the favorites to win that. I also want to touch on the gold cup final real quick, but before we do that, I want to echo a point that James said a lot of people, this is going to be me, me ranting just a little bit. And you want to get this off my chest to someone people will say, stop calling up MLS players. We can't have these MLS players. We just lost to a bunch of MLS players. Exactly. <laughs> like every time this happens, every Karen time Skia, it's like, our MLS players aren't good. He, enough. These guys play in MLS. Schaffelberg for Canada. Oh, pretty much he scored an extra time. Hooked Brian Reynolds, by the way, the entire game. But Brian Reynolds plays in Europe. He's got to be, he's got to be good. Yeah. It just it doesn't make sense. We're like MLS Major League Soccer is not the problem. But then I just wanted to highlight real quick the final. It's gonna be Panama versus Mexico. So often these these continental finals are a USA Mexico affair, but now we've got a little bit of a different matchup. Panama, Mexico had a very impressive performance against Jamaica, winning 3-0. You know, we saw at the World Cup, Luis Chavez hit an absolute banger of a free kick, and he does it again. Uh, 
with that left foot. So now we've got Panama versus Mexico Sunday, July 16th, 7.30 p.m. start. I think Mexico obviously are going to be the favorites in that one, but I think as many U.S. fans have come to realize, you can't underestimate Panama. It's a strong Panama squad that they brought to this tournament, and and they played really, really well against the U.S. So, Andy, I'll start with you. Who do you have in that one between Mexico and Panama? It's tough to say just because all these teams, like the teams you were expecting to perform – at least in my opinion, have not been performing that well. Like Jamaica, losing 3-0 to Mexico. And at first glance, you're like, wow, this Mexico side must be really good. But Jamaica hasn't really impressed me the whole tournament. I mean, Guatemala gave them a tough game. And trust me, I know the Guatemalan team. We had no business making that match so tough. Again, the program has improved a lot. But still, I I didn't know what to make of it. Like, is Guatemala really that much better? Or is Jamaica just not performing? Shout out Rubio Rubin. Rubio Rubin, two goals at Red Bull Arena. Yeah, I mean. Against it was, Guadalupe. It was, it was a fun one. That, that Guadalupe game was insane. But, um, yeah, so I don't know what to make of this Mexico team. I'm going to go for Panama just because it's the underdog. And for me, this tournament, the Gold Cup, kind of like what James was alluding to earlier, it's more for, like, these smaller teams to, like, perform and, like, get exposure so I'd like to see that happen. Like someone new win, not just USA or Mexico. So I'll, I'll go for Panama. I, I think I'm, I'm going to go for Panama too. Not only because um, I'm not a Mexico fan just because I'm a U.S. fan, but because I genuinely believe, genuinely believe that Panama have been the best team in this tournament. Uh, Mexico turned heads with how well they played against Jamaica for me. To that point, like they did really well against Honduras in their opening match, but Honduras have been a de- an absolute debacle since the 2021 Nations League. They've been terrible, um, and they should be a lot better than they are. Honduras have a talented group of players, and Mexico did bring a really strong squad, but but Panama have brought their best guys too. So they have. There's no reason that I think this one's going to go past 90 minutes as well. I think Panama maybe the only thing I can see Mexico doing is running Panama out of gas and then getting a late goal. We've seen Mexico do that to, to lesser teams in gold cups all the time. They did it to Haiti in 2019. They did it in 2021 to Canada. And I think that that, if that is going to be the path to victory for Mexico, that is how they'll do it. Panama. I really think they can hold off Mexico and, and hit them on the counter because that back line for El tree is, is vulnerable. And we saw them get, they get uh, beaten on the counter by Qatar and we saw Memo Ochoa get beat when he wasn't ready for um, a punch to the face. Like that ball came in quick. Julian Araujo was sleeping. Qatar nicks it on the head and Memo Ochoa was caught flat footed. So there is a path to victory for both of these teams. I would love for it to be Panama. Um, and I think Panama has what it takes. But if Mexico can wear them down enough, they'll win that match. If, if I can, just for a second, though, wrap up some other teams in this tournament that did really well. At the top of that list, Andy is Guatemala. Topping a group with with Canada in it is not something I had uh, on my 2023 CONCACAF Gold Cup bingo uh, card, but they did it. My two best friends from high school are both from Guatemala. They were at Red Bull Arena for the game. An incredibly great atmosphere. They were sending me videos the whole time. I couldn't hear a word they were saying, but it was one of the greatest atmospheres. And they got revenge on Guadalupe because Guadalupe knocked them out of uh, the 2021 Gold Cup qualifiers, even though they ended up getting COVID and Guatemala went in anyway. They still got the Guadalupe monkeys off their back, and that was an incredibly, incredibly good 
a reversal. What a great moment for the Guatemaltecos. And it's just a, an absolutely unbelievable step forward for that program. So I will say my team of the tournament, even though they didn't get past the quarterfinals, got to be Guatemala. I think if – I was beautifully put, James. I think if we all pick Panama in this final, there's no way they win. So I think, okay. I, think I, have to, I think I have to pick Mexico. You're uh, the reality check. I'll be the, I'll be the reality check. Um, I was very impressed by the way Mexico played versus Jamaica. Um, I still think the backline suspect. I don't think, I don't think Jorge Sanchez is that good at right back. I don't think, I think the center backs are also vulnerable and is this a strong Mexico team, but Panama have been, they very, very much impressed me in that U S game because it's not often when, when we, the U.S. plays a fellow team in CONCACAF that's not Mexico, where Panama was controlling the ball for long stretches of that game. And that's not something a lot of U.S. fans are, are used to seeing. So I was very impressed by them. I think it's definitely going to be a, clo- a, a close game. But I'll, ta- I'll take Mexico 2-1 in normal time. So we've got two Panama picks, two Mexico picks. And we'll see who comes out on top in the Gold Cup final on Sunday. But then on the women's side of the game the women's world cup starts a week from today recording this on thursday night um thursday very very early in the morning this tournament is in australia and new zealand so guys get ready for these crazy kickoff times just because of the time difference but usa kicks off on friday 9 p.m against vietnam um the usa had that send-off game against wales on Sunday, July 9th, this past Sunday, Trinity Rodman coming off the bench, scoring two goals. The U.S. are entering this tournament without Becky Sauerbrunn, their captain, their leader, without Mallory Swanson, who was in excellent form before her injury and was really poised to lead that U.S. attacking trio. So that's two huge, huge injuries for the U.S., but they open up the tournament coming off a win against Wales. They play Vietnam Friday July 21st, 9 p.m. That'll kick off their tournament. Their group includes Vietnam, the Netherlands, who they beat in the 2019 final, and then Portugal. So an interesting group uh, rematch in, 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 well, in match day two against the Netherlands. But James, I'll start with you. I just want your, your general thoughts of both that, that match against Wales, what we learned from it, and how, how we're approaching you know, this tournament and, 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 and wh- how things are looking coming for Friday. I mean, to start with that Wales game, for for the longest portion of that match, it looked like a lot of the same of what we've seen since Vlatko Andonovsky took over this U.S. women's national team. And that's not to put blame on him specifically, but it's that there was a lack of ideas when they had the ball in front of goal. Wales, to their credit, did really, really well to defend them and keep them out of dangerous spaces. But it wasn't until the U.S. brought on fresh legs that they looked like they could be dangerous in the attack. And Trinity Rodman and Lynn Williams take a bow. Sophia Smith also put in a shift. So to those three players were the standouts for me in that Wales game. If not for them coming on, I think that game might end in a nil-nil draw. And Wales are not the type of opponent you want to be tying with heading into a World Cup. The, our standard should be much, much higher than that. With that said, looking at the group and the way it's made up, I said this on, on one-on-one a few weeks ago, it's really important. the the uh, sequence in which we play our opponents. So to have now had 
what we've learned from Wales is that we need to be sharper in front of goal. We need to be quicker with our decisions and we can't just wait for fresh legs to come in. We need to be able to combine and break down opponents before they get tired. That's what it's going to take. So if we have Vietnam first, I really see us treating it like we did four years ago against Thailand. We load up on goal difference there. We get the three points it, that like, look, Vietnam, they could pull off the upset, the unthinkable upset. We've seen crazy upsets happen at World Cups before. The, my favorite one, I go back to the 1950 Men's World Cup, the U.S. defeating England 1-0. That's my favorite World Cup upset of all time. Now, this would be probably a much bigger upset in the 2023 Women's World Cup, but it could happen. Everything's possible. It's soccer. It's football. It's the beautiful game. It's meant to be unpredictable. But if we go in with our best bet, I can see us decimating them to the likes that we did Thailand, Vietnam, one of the weaker teams at this World Cup, they're debutantes, and they qualified in one of the weaker confederations in Asia by the skin of their teeth, losing in the quarterfinal of their regional tournament, but playing in a playoff and then getting in. So credit to them for being here. Uh, it's a massive achievement for that country, but they're facing the back-to-back -back world champs in the first match, and we need to load up on them because we play the reigning uh, runners-up in the Netherlands in our second match, and that is going... They're going to give us a run of our, for our money. They're going to be without Vivian Miedema, who is one of the best players in the world, but they still have Lika Martin. Like they're, they're a great, great side and we need to have some confidence and, and some goals and points in our back pocket before we face them. I still think we're a better team, even if they had Vivian Miedema. And even though we are not at our best, I still think we should beat them anyway. And if we can have six points going into the final match against Portugal, a team that we Again, no, we are much better than. I love our chances to top the group and have a lot of confidence going into the knockouts, but it has to start with an absolutely dominant performance against Vietnam, one that the, the, the performance against Wales wouldn't cut it, even though we'd probably still win with that performance. It needs to be top to bottom 90 minutes perfection, and it has to be a lot of goals because we need that cushion in our back pocket moving ahead to those games down the line. And do I think they'll do it? Yeah, I'm absolutely confident that they will. They haven't looked that great, but this is the World Cup. This U.S. women's national team, I've said it before, I'll say it again, are at their best with targets on their back, and that is exactly what they'll have every second of this World Cup, and I think they're going to take that opportunity. They're not going to take it lightly, and they're going to do their best with it, and they're going to get nine points out of nine in this group stage. Don't hold me to that, but I think that's what's going to happen. That was interesting. All right. I completely agree with their performance against Wales. It was not impressive at all. They should have done better, in my opinion. And they completely dominated the possession. I don't think I saw Wales even get past their own half the first half. Like, it was ridiculous. But they did nothing with that possession. Like, they didn't really didn't know how to attack the goal. The only way they were generating some danger was through crosses, but no one was getting behind them all that first half. Alex Morgan had a disappointing performance there. And, you know, it's a send-off game. It's not the real deal. But still, it, it shows something, and it does affect mentally, I'd assume, that you didn't perform at your best coming into the biggest tournament. Um, I still think they should beat um, Thailand, as you said, or Vietnam, actually. I'm thinking of the Thailand 13-0. They should beat Vietnam. I don't know if it'll be as impressive as that Thailand win, but I still think they should beat Vietnam. Let's hope we don't jinx it. And we have an upset like we did with the men's world cup, like Saudi Arabia and Argentina. But I think they should still maybe get like a five nil, six nil should be something ridiculous. And I think anything less than that might be a bit disappointing for them. 
However, the Netherlands team, that's what I would be concerned about. I don't see this USA team coming away with all nine points. In the Netherlands, even without Vivian, you know, uh, like without Vivian, because she got injured, which sucks. Because she's, I think she's one of my favorite players. I still think they have enough to beat the USA, especially with based on this performance against Wales. So I don't really know what to make of it. I don't think they'll lose, or it's it's a it's a possibility, but they I can see them tying, coming away with seven points, which is why the first game is crucial for the goal difference to decide who goes first as the group, and that'll decide the brackets. So they should still make it past the first rounds. It shouldn't be that tough. The game to watch is definitely against the Netherlands. And looking past that in the tournament, if they were to make it past the group stage, which they should. Another tough team should be England. And honestly, I'm going to go ahead here and make a bold prediction, I might say. I don't see USA winning the World Cup again which sucks. I want them to win. I think 3P would be insane, but I don't see it happening. I think the other countries are starting to catch up and USA not being at their best with a couple of injuries as well. This might be the end of the fairy tale story. And I don't know who's going to take it, but I don't see them winning this tournament, unfortunately. I feel like I remember in 2019, that kind of being a, sim- a, very, a similar narrative that everybody else is catching up, which they are. But I think we're also in, in, a, in a good spot to repeat here. This is obviously that we've got the injury to Sauerbrunn is a, a very, very big deal. Then Mallory Swanson also missing those two key players. It's a big deal in, in that starting 11. And I think this is going to be our toughest run of the last two World Cups by far, just by the nature of, you know, England's strong, France is strong. And if we want to win this, then we're going to have to play our way through them. And you look at this group stage, there's only one outrageous kickoff time. That third game against Portugal starts at 3 a.m. Eastern. So that's, that one's going to be a late night. The other two are 9 p.m. starts, which is more manageable. But another thing I wanted to touch on real quick about this U.S. women's national team is that, that attacking trio up front. Because Trinity Rodman came off the bench and scored those two goals. And now there's been a lot of talk about whether or not Trinity Rodman has made a case for to start in that front three. So James, I want to know for you, what's your ideal attacking trio up front for the for the women's national team? I'm gonna to have to put my Gotham FC bias aside, and I might leave Lynn Williams off on the bench, even though I love her game so much, and I really think she's going to be an impact performer uh, in the way that Mallory Swanson might have been. Uh, I see a lot of similarities between their two play styles and their impacts on this team, but I my front three is going to have to be Sophia Smith, Alex Morgan, and Trinity Rodman. Uh, I think Alex, you know, she's the old guard and has scored 121 goals for her country. It's, it's unheard of, uh, 207 caps, and she be, be, belongs to own the captain's arm man. A lot of fans were upset that Lindsay Horan was selected with that and not Crystal Dunn, but Alex Morgan is absolutely a starter. And But I think that Lynn Williams off the bench, and then you move either Sophia Smith or Trinity Rodman down the middle – either one of them can really work well in that striker role you start with Alex Morgan but you get cushion off the bench from the likes of the young guns in Alyssa Thompson and Lynn Williams or if you want a veteran style approach Megan Rapinoe off the bench like she's still there you have one of the greatest players to ever to ever do it for this country so the options up front because it can be jumbled it's a good thing I'd like for us to figure out our front three and I think it is going to be Rodman Morgan and Smith 
And I'm okay with that as long as we see Lynn Williams coming off the bench and provide a spark. But as I said, we can't wait for that, right? Because we're not going to be playing Wales at, at past this group stage, like the, a, a team of that quality, I mean. And in the group stage, we're going to be facing the Netherlands, a team that's much, much better than Wales. And we have to be able to do it for the first 45 and the second 45. It can't just come together late in that game. We have to do it from the start. So I'd like to think that the front three of Rodman, Morgan, and Smith can do that. And, you know, I'm bullish about their chances. And I think that'll be the front three. But again, Lynn Williams, I, I, I got to keep plugging my, my Gotham agenda here because I really do think she's going to be the dark horse hero of this team. Uh, down under in New Zealand and Australia. And I think, you know, as, as we wrap up here, looking at, at this tournament as a whole, it's not going to be easy. I think a lot of people have come to expect the United States women's national team to win these World Cups. That's the expectation. But it's a long, long journey to get there. And every other country in the world has only gotten better in these last four years. And as time goes on, the women's game continues to grow. The U.S. Women's National Team opens the group stage next Friday against Vietnam. Hopefully that's the start of a seven-game journey that includes a World Cup trophy at the end of it, a, a three-peat, which would be never, would be an incredible, incredible accomplishment for this, for, these group, for this group of women. But guys, that'll just about do it for another episode of FUVFC. As the Gold Cup wraps up, there's going to be a lot of Women's World Cup talk throughout the summer and after that we're pretty much back back towards the european calendar it's crazy how fast the offseason flies but before we know it 